Welcome to Winning with the Burns, a podcast for highly ambitious people who have a burning desire to learn what it takes to win at a high level. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again today. You know, I'm excited today because I get my right-hand guy, I get my big brother back with us here in the studio, Nick. Hey, thanks for joining again. Yeah, I know It's been a minute. It's been what a couple 3 months, man. I've been dealing with some some uh, serious serious nerve pain, had surgery and it went in right here. You can kind of see the scar a little bit, but I'm back. We'll we'll have another podcast later to talk about you know dealing with pain and uh, and and getting it fixed. But just I've learned a lot over the last couple three months. But had had to come back for this one. Um, you know the guy I played high school ball for is, yeah, is you as well. Um, who's you know not only my ex high school coach but you know is is my mentor and I consider a friend. Uh, you know we talk with text every couple three days. Um, but we're excited today to learn. You know about you know I, we call some people call him a legend. I call him the goat of uh, of, of baseball. Um, you know four state titles in football, one state title uh, in baseball. Just played for two the last couple of years. But we'll go in all kind of different directions today with Coach Branch. Um, so if you're taking notes, um, man, make sure you are listening and taking some notes because I've learned so much from this guy. He's he's witty. He's wise, um, and uh, he's he's a loyalist almost to a fault at times. Um, but you know that that comes from the way he was raised. And uh, so, coach, I just want to let's talk about you know you know let's talk about your mom and dad first. You know, I know your mom's still alive. I know your dad passed away a few years ago. Um, you know, a lot of who you are, you know, is because of the way you were raised. Yeah, absolutely. First, thanks for having me, and. Uh, for you to come off vacation uh, and get back, I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I had uh, I was raised in, in you know a so called army brat. Uh, my father was a sergeant uh, in the military, twenty uh, year man, retired. Uh, my mom uh, and so she had to be mom and dad because uh, my dad was stationed in Thailand for a year, Vietnam for a year. And we bounced all around, so she had to be able to do everything. So she was a real tough lady, still is. Uh, and I had to learn to acclimate myself with every situation because I think I went to uh, seven schools in 12 years. Um, so, you know, I've been the guy, the oddball comes in wearing the wrong clothes and got moving from Europe to Weaver, Alabama. You know, you're kind of dressed funny, that kind of deal. So I think it really helped me as a person uh figure out how to you know i've been the only white guy on the basketball team I, you know i've you know i had to acclimate myself with different people and i think i formed an appreciation for learning how to handle people uh from my dad watching him how to handle soldiers uh and then me growing up and being in different situations so i think they really made me who I am. Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't realize that, but it makes more sense now. You <clears> said <throat> seven schools in twelve years. You know, you have a gift of being able to communicate with anyone at at any level that they're at, whether it be you know a kid that's you know um, you know well below average baseball player to to a, a kid that's you know going to be a D one baseball player for a guy that's you know, very successful as a doctor or the guy that's, you know, digging ditches. You know, you, you treat everybody the same, um, you know, when it comes to that. Well, you know, that's that's the goal is, you know, and I tell our coaches the same thing. You know, uh, relationships are what it's all about. Um, you have an opportunity to, you know, that 
if you form relationships and can and can connect with uh, adults or uh, players, then you can get them to do what you need them to do. It's it's so you know I, I do think that it, that is I have plenty of weaknesses, but one strength is is kind of being able to connect. Even as I've gotten older, being able to connect with young people and getting them to do what they need to do. Where'd you um, – so y'all – you played high school ball in Alabama. What high school did you play at? I went to Weaver High School, which is a uh, – it's a suburb of Anniston, yeah. Alabama. You know, um, so I, my dad retired in the middle of my freshman year from the military, and he retired only so I could go to high school at one school. Like, I think he would have stayed in the military till he died. But he did it. It was really a – I didn't realize how unselfish it was when I'm in – you know, I didn't know. But now I know. Uh, he retired so I could – he didn't want me to bounce around in high school. So I, he retired. So I midway through – I moved to Weaver in Christmas of my freshman year. And then I went to school there and, and graduated from Weaver. I, I know you're a pitching guy, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Did, what position did you play in high school? Uh, well, I, I did pitch, you know, and back then, you know, there wasn't any arm abuse. I remember throwing three complete games in a week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. <laughs> so, but I played, uh, when I was in ninth grade, I played, uh, I played the outfield and, you know, I was mainly on the bench, but I played the outfield. And then when I was a sophomore, I played the outfield and third base. And then, uh, and then, and I pitched some. And then when I was a junior and senior, I was a third baseman uh pitcher and i'd say i pitched like every big game you know like i say we didn't have a lot of pitching so i wasn't that good but i was the best option that we had so no, you were pretty good you went to college and pitched well i did but you know again i, I wasn't anything special but it was a, i was the best option we had so so coach ran me out there there was no rules on number of pitches number of innings so i, I pitched a lot so you went you pitched in north alabama yeah, first I went to Sneed State Junior College uh, and played there two years, and I was a starting pitcher there. And uh, I pitched a ton there as well, especially my sophomore year. I mean, again, they they throw you out there now. I see these guys talking about three, four days rest. I mean, I went on one, two days rest many times. That's why I can't hardly lift my right arm now, actually, too, but – but from when I after two years at Snead, I went to North Alabama, and there I was a relief guy. So I really liked that. That was a lot better deal because you're kind of in the game every day, you know. So, but I I played there and finished and graduated from there. What made you decide to get, get into education? I know you got a physical. I mean, a, you got a degree in education. What made you decide to do that? That was man. I figured that one out quick. I knew I wanted to coach from the minute. You know, as soon as I realized, hey. Uh, I'm not going to play in the big leagues. Like, I wanted to be in the game, so I wanted to be a coach. And I knew that coaching was the, uh, you know, kept me in the game, kept me young, all that. First, I wanted to be a college coach, and I actually had a college job, but chickened out on it because I was getting married. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to be a part of the game. When I was in – when I was like 18 years old, I would have like a 13-year-old team I would coach. Like, I was coaching young kids when I was still, like, my first year in college in the summer. I'd have a team, you know, so I just enjoyed coaching back then. So I kind of knew from the get-go that's what I wanted to do. My dad says, 
that I couldn't do anything else. That's why I did it. He said, hey, if you couldn't coach, you'd starve to death. That was his <laughs> quote. So and he's probably right. But uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to have a career out of it. So where was your first job out of school? Where was your first teaching, uh, coaching job? I was at uh, Wheeler County High School in Alamo, Georgia, which yeah. nobody's going to really know where that's at. But that's uh, it's kind of between Viday and Dublin. There's a Millican plant. Down there, right in Alamo. No, nah, it might be Alma. Alma, that's it. That's what yeah, Alamo. There's yeah. nothing yeah. in Alamo. Okay. There's not a chain restaurant. There's not a McDonald's. There's not. There's no. There's one red light, and uh, I mean it's kind of like Mayberry, you know, from the Andy Griffith show. It's like a, it's a great people are great, small town one A school, uh, and I was there two years, and we were newlyweds. So, I was what? Say, were you and Miss Angie married then? We got married August fourth, you know, like that year. So I went right into football after we got married, and uh, but but yeah, Wheeler County was a great place. The people were great. I mean, they pretty much handed me a a bag of helmets and balls. <laughs> I was a head coach, you know, twenty two years old. Uh, didn't even have. I had a guy that was the football coach was my assistant but like we had nothing we had to do it all so you were coaching football did you have any prior experience coaching football uh i helped my high school when i was in college a little bit but i played football i had no coaching i was i was calling plays i was 22 years old i was calling offensive plays in yep. football nobody cared down there at wheeler county in football <laughs> they're just they, happy that somebody's there coaching it literally i got that job i said i tell people that i happen to be passing through town me and the other guy i think that's how we got the job <laughs> They hired both at the same time, football, baseball, and it was like one of my friends. They hired both of us, and I helped him. He helped me. But but it was, man, when you're 22, you're the head coach. I, you know, we didn't know anybody, and we had to start. They'd won two games and two games, the first the two before I got there. So, I mean, and they, they weren't working. You know, they didn't know what to do, so it was not bad. Now, it was pretty easy to get better because – because they hadn't been doing anything. So we won six the first year. And then the next year, we won 16. We went 16 and six. You played less games back then. And you had we had like 16 teams in the region. We had two sub-regions. And we actually won the sub-region. And we actually made it made it to the play, state playoffs yeah. uh, that year. So we went from two to winning six to winning 16. And what we started doing is I made them play in the summer. Like, they, they were they picked uh, – they cropped tobacco and watermelons and all that. Those were working kids, but we I got them playing, and we played. And I made them do some stuff, and, and we ended up being pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Art, uh, Art Williams, who's, uh, you know, in the insurance industry, he's, I think he's a billionaire now. He owned a company called Primerica. He actually coached football. He's from Cairo, got into the insurance business because – he had a, a parent pass away that didn't have any insurance, you know, nothing to take care of final expenses. But uh, he coached at jo Jordan High School in Columbus, and he says, you show me an organization that's getting results, he said, I'll show you a leader that's moving people. You know, and, you know, in two years you went from two games to six wins to 16. How did you end up at LaGrange High School? Well, that was really a little bit of luck because, first, my dad is actually from here. Uh my dad actually grew up. My uncle was the sheriff of Meriwether County for 32 years. Okay. 
Dan Branch. I mean, the the, the highway is named after Dan, yeah. going from uh, Greenville to like Thomaston. Yeah, you know, you go around that square, that yeah. little circle in yeah. the, the town square in Greenville. It's Dan Brant, Dan and Marie. That's his wife, and she worked at the sheriff's office. So our family has actually been connected. Not me. My dad, like, actually is a Rosemont person. See, you you didn't know that, oh, did you? Oh. Yeah, my dad, he went to, I guess, Rosemont High School. Uh, you know, but I guess that was before Troop. It would have been in the 50s, maybe. Uh, I don't know when Troop started. But anyway, he went to Rosemont. My granddad, like, worked in the mill. They actually lived over there by the stadium yeah. mm-hmm. at some point in there. But, like, when I was a kid, we'd go over in the, into Greenville and stay, spend the night with my uncle. They, 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 they stayed in the jail. They had the jail up top, and they had living down there. That's where we would go. So I'd been to LaGrange a bunch, and that was my dad knew about Coach Honeycutt. Used to talk about Coach Honeycutt, that oh, kind wow. of deal. But anyway, David Trailer uh, had coached at Wheeler County before me. Now I didn't know who David Trailer was, but David Trailer, like I see on the wall of the Wheeler County, had a team picture. And and I looked and I saw that guy. They said he went to Lagrange. That's when he was jacked. Right? He was That's jacked up, over two hundred pounds, yeah. all jacked up. And uh, but anyway, so he was at he he was uh, he had left Wheeler. I don't know if he went straight, but he now was at Lagrange. So I, I was looking. They got a blue book that has all the coaches, the schools, and it's got phone numbers. And you know you can look up used to, and you could look up and say, hey. LaGrange High School and list all the coaches and have phone number and all that. So I just called him up. I got a hold of David Trailer and introduced myself, said, hey, anything ever happens up there, we had the common bond. I'm at Wheeler County. You were just left. You know they can check up on me, same principal, all yep. that stuff. And he and he said, I, I said, pass my stuff on to to the head coach. So he did. I didn't hear anything. And then it was like July. We were ready to get out. I really wanted to get out. I loved the people, but it wasn't really good for my wife and the newlywed kind of deal, you know. So so I was ready to get out. And, and sure enough, like July, Gary Guthrie called me. And, uh, and him and Dave Nichols had checked up on me. They had a coach leave late, Terry Ramsey, who was a defensive line coach. So they called me in the middle of July, which is really late. Yeah. And, uh, man, we packed it up. We came up here, inter- spent the night up here, interviewed, and uh, they offered me the job. And what year was that? That was 1986. 86. And that was for a football job, right? It was a football job. That's exactly right. It was a football job. They were worried because it was alternative school, and I was really young. Can you handle the, the kids? They were really rough. That, that was – a lot of those kids never even made it to the high school. We just had one school system alternative school. And I told him, I said, I think discipline's my thing. I said, I know I'm young, but I think I'm good at it. And they believed it, and they hired me. So I did that, and it was to be defensive line coach, which I was not qualified for to do, and and it was to be JV baseball coach. Uh, so that's that's when I got hired. Was Coach Trailer? Coach Trailer was a head coach, and I helped with a varsity because I asked him if I could. It wasn't part of the job, and one of the, they used to practice the JV somewhere else 
at East Side or West Side somewhere in the varsity. East B. Side, yeah. I remember and that. I said, Coach Trailer, can we practice at LaGrange High and let me be over here with you? And he, he said yes. So I was JV coach, head JV, helped with varsity, and then I was the defensive line coach on the varsity football team. I tell people I was the worst coach we had. At a, you know, we had eight position guys, and they were – I was the I was the worst guy. I mean, they were experienced. They were really good. Yeah. So I know what it's like to be the new guy who I didn't have the great football background. Well, you I mean, you were there in '86. I mean, most people don't realize, and I don't realize fully, but how good was the Grange High in football in those '86, '87 in those years? Just just strictly from a talent standpoint. Talk about some of the guys that were on that team. I mean, there was what, three NFL guys within a four year time. Yeah, frame. that that I'm not sure there wasn't the best we've ever had at Lagrange High because we at that time I know I know we did and we'll talk about this later but that that was when Lagrange had to play in the top classification yeah. in the state of Georgia with basically should have been playing at least a class down probably two classes two down. classes down but yeah. that that group the first year I got here there were 26 seniors and it was John Johnson NFL. Uh, Marty Carter, NFL, uh, and you know it's a lot of other guys. Deshaun Cameron, who's a three-year starter at quarterback at Clemson. Yeah. Derwin Brewer, who was an was a NFL free agent. Jimmy McCamey, who was a stud DB. Uh, Kenzel Jackson, three-year starter at Clemson. I mean, you can go through. Uh, Raymond Allen was a great running back. Roy Lee Moss. It was loaded. That group was loaded, and they were, like, great leadership. Uh, you know, defensive line I had were just unbelievable. They knew more than I knew because they had played it. They were veterans. So they helped, helped me, really. But I don't think we've ever had a better group of players than that group, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and we still should have won the state. Like, we blew it. We made some mistakes. Playing and coaching, probably also ran into an NFL kicker too, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, we—he was an NFL kicker, but we turned the ball over. Yeah, and you know, when you turn it over, that's what I love about him. There's exactly. No, there's no excuses. There's uh, none. There's ever. no excuses whatsoever, ever. But but we had our, you know, that that was a really. I thought it always, you know, I came from Wheeler County, and one of the first people I met was Jimmy McCamey. He introduced himself in the weight room my first day in there and i said what do you play i figured he was a linebacker and he said i'm a corner and i knew like wow these guys because he was like 200 pounds just chiseled i mean guys like that don't play corner in high school normally so i knew i'd run into you know a special really special class yeah and you know at that time you know with coach guthrie you know yeah you had players but you know a lot of a lot of teams have talent that underachieve um, I, was was that the year when you had to take Marty down? It was that your first year when you had to yeah. take him down and run him. You know, I actually saw Marty Carter um, in the gym this fall and developed a relationship with him. We were talking about you and and talking about that time you had to take him down and run him because he didn't he didn't have the right haircut at the yeah, time. Yeah, he had the old box cut. Yeah, and uh, Coach Guthrie that didn't meet his standard. Uh, which I was new, so I didn't even know what the standard was. I mean, again, this was summer. We hadn't even – I hadn't even been to the school yet as far yeah. as – but I knew that he was supposed to be really good, and Coach Guthrie said, hey, take him down. He's got to run XX. 
you know, I didn't even know him, you know. Yeah. So I was like, hey, you know, sorry about this. I really don't know the <laughs> know the deal, but you're gonna have to run, you yeah. know. And he was good. I mean, he, he did what he had to do, yeah. and uh, he didn't like it, you know, because Marty's a free spirit. But I mean, looking back, you know, we do a lot of things in coaching because that's just the way it was done. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure if Coach Guthrie was coaching in 2023, he probably the yeah. he he wouldn't he yeah. wouldn't do that. Uh, but what he did was right That's at that point. Yeah. But those kids would, I mean, they'd, they'd take a bullet for Coach Guthrie, yeah. those guys that played for him. Because he was so, you know, there was no gray area with him. He was black or white, and uh, he didn't care. Like, I mean, one time in a state playoff game, a guy, like, kind of talked back on the bench, and, like, and he took him out. And, like, we played, like, backup DBs, and, like, it's a tight playoff game. We lose, we're done. And they're slinging the ball down the field on us. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, be nice to get that guy back in. He didn't. He just stuck, and we won anyway, which that was my example. Yeah. You do what you what's right, and it usually works out. You know, don't have discipline. Do what you're supposed to do. And uh, as we say, our the standard is the standard. Yeah. The kid didn't meet the standard, so he didn't get to play. I, uh, you know, I graduated in 97, so, you know, I was on the other side. I was in the county <clears throat> system, you know, supposed to go to troop and play. But, you know, our father would always, you know, he'd get the newspaper. And, and at that time, the LaGrange Daily News would, like, lead up to the game, you know, and it would talk about the other team. And I remember, you know, going and, and watching LaGrange play, like, Probably 88, 89 was probably when I first started going. You know, Andre Hastings come to Callaway Stadium that played at Morrow. You know, um, uh, Heinz Ward from Forest Park came to the stadium. And, and, but what my da- one thing my dad always pointed out, I'll never forget this being in like fifth or sixth grade. I'm looking back at, you know, my son now that's like 10 years old, and, and I'll never forget my dad saying this. He said, watching the LaGrange coaches on the sideline, he said, you don't see them screaming at the kids. You don't see them going crazy at them. You know, he said, they probably do it in practice. You know, they probably coach them hard in practice. And it's more of a business like on, on Friday nights. Talk about what you learned from your early years of coaching, because you don't know what you don't know coming in, right? You said you didn't know you were underqualified coming in. What did you learn from a technique scheme standpoint, but also? Uh, from a work ethic standpoint when it comes to coaching football? Well, one of the first things was I remember Coach Guthrie, and, and this was different. It, it's probably illegal now, but I remember when they first told us, you know, they, they wanted to know, like, about our character. When they interviewed, like, our character, like even some of our church affiliation, kind of like they, they tried to hire people that coached and not just coaches. I remember said I remember Coach Guthrie saying, "Hey, we don't profanity is not something we do." He goes, "I'm not saying nobody ever slips up and says." He goes, "But that in the way we coach. If you're not smart enough to coach without doing that, you know you're not going to make it here. We have families walking around that track, and we're going to be an example for the community." Wow. So I learned that you go to a lot of football practices. That is not the way no. it is. Yeah. So. You know, we try to do the same thing in baseball. You know, like you know, that isn't something that that's a regular occurrence. Again, I'm not saying that profanity never happens, but it's not the way we coach. And our players, that isn't the way they talk in front of us. Uh, 
So that was a big impact right there because that I know some guys that were wild men that we hired, and then they came here, and they just came right in and did like we do, you know, because that's that was the standard that we did. So uh, and then the detail, like the way they coach football. I mean the way every detail like in breaking down film in preparation no stone was unturned i mean and that's that's the way they coached we were just really really prepped and uh and then you know when you when i saw them do that i mean i just fell kind of fell in and then i between my first and second year i was like a different guy like i was like man i'm not going to be that guy again i'm not going to be the guy that gets his beat I'm going to be the guy that helps us win. So, like, man, I studied. I, I was like, I was, I watched film all the time. I sat in a room with the co- Rob writings and asked questions or whatever. By the time we got back the next year, I was much better and ready to roll. But those guys were just all of them. And then they were unselfish. Like, nobody cared who got the credit. Uh, everybody was for everybody. And, and 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 everybody was this. They did. You coach them hard in practice. In the games, you let them play, and the players will react. They'll look to you. If you look panicked, they'll yeah. panic. So you 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 coach them hard in practice, and then in the games, you turn them loose. Now sometimes you have to motivate in a game, but you, you know it's too late when guys are doing a bunch of yelling during the game. That mean they didn't do a very good job preparing usually. So. You know, I, I had some great mentors, John Revere, Gary Guthrie, Rob Ridings, David Trailer, uh, Kenny Moore, all those guys uh, were just outstanding. Coach Coach Pardue, he yeah. came in later, but all those guys were just outstanding. Uh, Sam Pickett, who was phenomenal. I learned a lot, just how to watch film and what to look for. And, and some of those guys, it was like one of my biggest coaching deals was when they called me later in my career and would ask me something, yeah. I felt like, man, I, I've earned enough respect that Rob's calling me, asking me what I would do, to, you know, when he's preparing. Yeah. So, you know, because I was really green and didn't know what I was doing. So, uh, but I, I had, I was blessed with great mentors. How long were you the D line coach until you become the defensive coordinator? Uh, I, I started in, so I was 86 through 92 i was the uh no 94 was my first year's defense coordinator gotcha. 86 and and they asked me to do it in 93 and i i said no and uh coach guthrie asked me and uh i said let i suggested pardue uh because you know he he was just doing football he's really a smart football coach and i was wide open in baseball as yeah. you know yeah and i was like let him do it that's his thing and then i didn't know that one year later he would be the head coach yeah. and then he came to me then and said i really need you to do this yeah. uh and then you know i didn't hesitate i i knew i was going to do that for him yep. uh but but 94 was the first year there's always sequences yep. that happen you know by you saying no i won't take it you know let him do it you know and then a year later you know, you're the defense coordinator, and then, you know, y'all go on a run, you know, and, and win three state titles in the early 2000s. How long were you the JV baseball coach before you become the head baseball coach? All right, so uh, it was uh, 
that would be 87, 88, so two years. Okay. Uh, I was, I really was like varsity. I was varsity, or excuse me, JV coach and, and kind of volunteered. And then the next year I was kind of, they had a JV coach. So I was really a varsity assistant okay. the second year. So, and then 89, actually what happened was, I, a couple of places had called about hiring, asking me to interview uh, that we played in Clayton County Schools. We're looking for coaches. And one of them was Clint Burton, who used to be really a Hall of Fame guy, was at Fayette County and uh, North Clayton, really good coach. And Clint had called Gary and said, hey, we need a baseball coach. So I, so I was getting a chance to maybe leave and be a head coach. And Gary called me in and said, hey, you don't need to go. Uh, I, Coach Trailer's looking at getting out. He was just waiting for the right time. So that was pretty much when they switched me over. It's like because I'd got a job offer. And uh, and David was really wanting to get out. Yeah. You know, uh, he just wanted somebody that he trusted to do it. And uh, and he felt good about it. He even stayed and coached the JV remember, for me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we had a great relationship, still do. But, I mean, he's like the most unselfish oh, human yes, of all no time. Uh, but but anyway, so that's kind of how I went into it in 89 as a head coach. When did when did y'all start turning a corner? I know like in 89, 90, Shannon Snyder uh, was on that team. Uh, well, 1990. Right? 1989, we were like 500. Okay. Now, we were not very good before, you know, there, there wasn't much tradition. No, it was uh, troop. I mean, around here it was. It, it was troop was really good, yeah. and uh, there wasn't. A, there was a lot of good players uh, at Lagrange, but it seemed like summer or Legion and summer ball had more importance at Lagrange than it did maybe at Troop. Uh, and we tried to change that. That was kind of one of the things I wanted the guys to say. Look, you know, high school's a big deal. Uh, and uh, getting beat's a big deal because we used to get beat, and it didn't seem like it mattered when I was an assistant. So I was hoping to change that. And But 89, we, we were like 14 and 12, and it was actually a really good year. I only had a couple seniors, but we ended up going 24 and 6 in 1990. And, uh, and I mean, we won 14 games in a row. Who was on that 90 team? Who were some of the Oh, man, that 90 team? team had Brian Thompson and Shannon Snyder and Charles Green was a freshman, Kelvin Davis. Tyson was a freshman. Dax Norris, Trent Price. We started three or four freshmen. Uh, I mean, it was Mike Berry. Uh, that was an athlete. We had a ton. We were very, very athletic. We were very good. And we ended up, you know, we went from nowhere to being really good. And uh, we lost to Evans, who had won. like They won like 50 games in a row. And uh, and we took them to game three. We beat them. And, uh, and in game three, they beat us like in eight or nine innings. Uh, they hit a home run like in the ninth inning, beat us two to nothing. Oh, wow. Charles Green like struck out 14. He was a freshman. So, but they were like the powerhouse, and we took them to the brink. And when you say that, I mean, again, for people that are listening, that was the highest classification in Georgia. Then. Oh, yeah. That's like 7A today. Yeah. Yeah. Evans was the the best program in, in the state and one of the best in the country at the time. So that was when we kind of said, all right, we're here. 
we're going to be good. And, uh, and you know, we ended up kind of being pretty good through the 90s, most of it. Yeah, really good through the 90s. I remember, you know, just going and watching and, you know, um, some really good teams, you know, would lose in the, the, the final four, you know, lead eight. Yeah, it was uh, – I hate it because uh, I always tell people, you know, I wouldn't trade what the experience that we got, but I hate that those guys, you know, just because you get to the final four and you don't win it, you don't have that – people don't respect it as much as if you win it. Yeah. Even though you're like 4A or instead of 7A or whatever – and those teams we had in the 90s, I can 91, 92, 93, 94, 95. Like, you go through all those teams, like, like we were really good. I mean, if, we were, if we're two classes down, I'm not sure who can beat us. Yeah. Uh, so it's sad because we might have won five or six state championships. But, again, man, we could say them. we were lining up with Park Views, oh, yeah. Lassiter's, oh, yeah. Sprayberries. uh all those people, and uh, and we're toe to toe, toe to toe, and we would have a thousand students, and they'd have you know twenty six hundred. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really proud of the, of those teams. Again, you know, I always hold them as some of our better teams that people really don't know about. Same in football. Our '96 team was a really good team, and we didn't win it, but it wasn't like we weren't good enough. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'd have probably had a good chance to win it if we were in two-way yeah two-way teams wouldn't even play us so yeah. i'll just put it to you that way that in in baseball or football they didn't want to play lagrange high back then so uh, i feel pretty good we we had some we had really good players so what year you know so that was in the 90s you know really still good in football um what year did we dropped down to to double A. Was it two two thousand or two thousand two thousand one? Because I graduated in two thousand, and we were still my senior year. We were the highest classification. So yeah. going into August, it, that's when it, it reclassified. Fall, that's right. It was fall of two thousand. Okay, and we had had a bad look. Bad. The only bad thing about it was we had a bad year in football in ninety nine. But this was in the works anyway. But it looked bad because we were two and eight. In '99, was that Blake Mitchell? That was Blake Thornton's freshman year. Freshman that was year. Blake's freshman year. Freshman year. Coach Pardue said, "We're playing for the future. We're not playing for this year. Yeah, we're getting Blake ready for next year." Yeah, and it was next like we just—he just went with what he thought he needed to do, and we were competitive, but we just lost. And he decided, you know, he made a commitment to Blake, and and it was a great move. And but the but the bottom line was, you know, we were two and eight, and then. Or now you're going to drop down. Yeah. So that we had to kind of overcome that. And Coach Pardue was like, hey, if we win, people will be happy. Absolutely. And uh, and that's what we did. We we went 12 and 1 that next year uh, in, in, in 3A, I guess it was. So we went 12 and 1. So, uh, you know, it, everybody bought into the new thing really quick. And I thought it made a difference. Where it really makes a difference is when you're – you're in a rebuilding year. Like if you're in a rebuilding year and you're in a smaller classification, you have a really good chance to still make the playoffs. And that's a big deal. Yeah. If you're in a rebuild year and you're in 7A and it's hard, it's just harder with the number of students we have. It's like your senior year. We had a good team. 
But, like, that region was loaded, you know, and we weren't loaded. I mean, we had some good players, but we weren't loaded. So it, it's in your me, your mediocre years, it gives you a chance to kind of grow. And when we're really good at LaGrange High, classification doesn't matter. That's right. I mean, I, I truly believe that. Like, we've had baseball teams. It didn't matter what classification. 2004, we beat the crap out of uh, Lasser. We 10-run ruled them at Lasser. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, it didn't matter what classification we're in. Now, but in another year, in 2002, when we graduated a bunch of guys, we went to the lead eight kind of mediocre team just by playing hard and doing the things. So that's when it really helps you is when you're – and some of your minor sports that have a hard time in the bigger classifications. It gives them a chance to, to succeed. So now we're getting in 2004, you know, and that was the year of your, your first time playing for a state championship and actually winning a state championship. You know, you had been – you know, all those 90s teams like Final Four, Final Four, Elite Eight, you know, um, just, just fighting. And 2004 is the year you get it done. Talk about that team, um, you know, for, for those that really don't know who's on that team. I mean, yeah, that team was uh, something special. Well, first of all, we're have, we're, we'll have a – we'll honor them this year. So I'm fired okay. up about that. It's 20, uh, 20 years. 20 years. It's 20 yep. years. Okay. So we're going to do a uh, – we got to set the date. I kind of got one, but I don't want to say it yet. And I want to bring them in and then have a dinner the night before with them and hang out with them, maybe in their families. And then the next day bring them in while we play and have a big tent set up where they can hang out and tell lies and stories yeah. and Shake all that. Shake hands and kiss babies. <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, so we're we're uh but anyway, we're doing that with them. So we're fired up about that. Uh well, the the we had Josh Edmondson, Corey Knowles were our mainstay pitchers and they were elite, you know. They were a lot like what we had this year. Yep. Uh you know, Josh wasn't like a big-time recruit. But he ended up getting a – he was signed with Florida, but he didn't have a bunch of offers. He had a bunch of no's. Florida just said yes. Uh, but he was just a fierce competitor. And they were kind of led the way. But if you could look on the wall out there at the field and go through that roster, the talent level of that team is, like, phenomenal. For LaGrange High, yeah. it was elite because you had those two Florida signee – Columbus State signee, who ultimately got drafted. And then you had Brandon Monk was a seventh-round draft pick. Drew Murray was Georgia Southern. Andrew Manning was UAB. David Buchanan was Columbus State. Tyler Moffitt was Columbus State. And you just count John Sher was USC Aiken. Montoya Young was USC Aiken, which were Division Two powers. Dave, uh, Kelton, David's little brother, John. John Kelton was University Alabama. of Alabama. They were, they were young. Yeah. Some of them were young, but you even go through with the bench guys like were my son. He was like a JUCO signee. Yeah. Joseph Daniel had Division One offers and ultimately didn't go. It was like uh, – I can't remember how many is listed, but like 18 of them like were college baseball guys. And, and, and two or three of them had pro ball opportunities. So it was elite talent. They were just really good. And we could we could hit like – how we hit now compared to then is not even close. I mean, the bats were a lot more hot. Yeah. But they could hit, we could just hit better. You still got to put the bat on the ball. Yeah, and they could we could hit. I mean, we we hit we hit a lot of home runs. 
we could run too, but this year we ran a lot. We had to run. That team, we we could just hit, and we could we could pitch. We could hit. I mean, we had Drew Murray. He was like eighty eight, eighty nine pitcher, and you know I hardly had to pitch him. Because you'd sweep everybody, right? And yeah, you swept everybody until the state championship, yeah. right? And then we had Jeffrey Henderson. He was like five or six and oh, he's a lefty, like eighty to eighty two. Brandon Monk was like ninety to ninety two, right handed pitcher. So we had guys like we just had. I mean, it was just a really good team. When somebody says, "Hey, you win the state," I'm like, "Look, look what we had when we won it." Yeah. Now the team we beat had won it three in a row. They were loaded too. Uh, so it, it was really big. But for Lagrange High, that team was like really, really. It was the best combination of pitching and team hitting. Yeah. Like Darnell Stenson, there wasn't Darnell Stenson. Yeah. But like. Throughout that lineup, I mean, we hit, we hit like five home runs in game three. You know, I mean, we we're hitting. I mean, Justin Patterson was our eight hole hitter, and he hit like seven home runs. Wow! So like we we just could hit, you know, and they were strong. Four of them started on the football state championship team. Yeah. So they were tough. Like you could get after them. They worked. They just won it in football. They knew how to win. So I hope we can do that thing and get all of them back here because that's a really, really special group. You, you go and, I mean, I don't have the stats. I mean, you, you've won a lot of ball games. Um, you had an opportunity to be the head football coach um, when Coach Purdue went to Kentucky. Um, when you retired, so you retired and um, you started doing some travel ball, uh, you know, leading a, a travel ball organization – um, what, what did that experience the, from from being retired before you came back? What that that gap? What did what did you feel like? How did you benefit from that? I definitely benefited. It gave me the it gave me the view, my my impression or my, of travel ball changed because I was really negative before. I was kind of you're kind of defensive actually, you know, because I'm like you think that. You know, the travel ball guy's going to go, hey, you know, don't do it that way. Do it my way. You're yeah. going to have that kind of battle going. And and that really doesn't – it doesn't have to be that way, you know. Instead, I need to work with them. You know, I need to partner with them when I can. Uh, and, and then maybe we can get the best out of the kid if he sees that we're together. Uh, so – that was the first thing. And then I also got to see, like, from the parent standpoint, like how tra- how these parents think in this travel baseball. I was kind of amazed, actually, how out of touch, really, they are with how this thing really – They're going D1. They're going pro baseball. Yeah, They're playing pro ball. Yeah, years well, old. the deal is, is I, I still think that you should want to win. I mean, you had a really good team. So did you. Both of you guys had good travel teams. But, like – how little that really matters to the high school coach. Correct. Like, and that, that was like, and I, I would tell them that. I said, I don't mean it bad, but if Nick burns his players when they hit it, they run full speed yeah. and they they know where to line up and they know how to act and they say, yes, sir, no, sir, and they have some basic mechanics, I'm good. I don't care if they've won three fake rings at those tournaments they go to. Yeah. Uh and, and that's what I always told you guys. Yep. And I've, I'm starting to get your guys now. They're yep. coming up. Yeah. 
already got yours, and they have been coached. Y'all did win, but you also got whipped some, too. Of course. And uh, so, like, that really doesn't matter to the high school coach. Like, I want them to win because I want them to win, not because that helps me. And I want them to win like Shannon Snyder coaches five-star. I want Shannon to win because that's important to him, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, it didn't help LaGrange hide them winning. He's helping our players get better. But I was kind of understanding how the parents are coming in this thing. That gave me an insight of how when they get there, how they needed to be guided a little bit and 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 break down kind of the relationship of how it's going to be in high school compared to how it is in travel. And uh, so I really – and just being on the other side of the fence, watching LaGrange High play, man, it's you learn a lot. You know, you know, I watched David Smart. I learned a lot watching David practice. He's a great coach. Uh, you know, and watching, you know, seeing how other teams work. I went over and I watched some other teams practice. I got to be around – I watched Parkview practice baseball. You yep. know, I got to – I would go around with Shannon. We'd visit other deals and try to get recruit players. And so, you know, I learned a lot about, by by watching. But a lot of it, like I say, is about just kind of the relationship between travel and high school can be awful or it can be really good. And I was determined I was going to make sure it, it, we were going to make it good for us. And, I, and I'll talk about that a little later about how you, you do – mesh those together because there's a lot of schools that don't there's a lot of school high schools that allow the travel team the the one-on-one workouts in the off season they don't work like you guys work but when when coach smart who i think a lot of i think is a heck of a baseball coach i liked him as a person when he left and started at denmark with their first year um, that they had a school I remember where I was and we were flying out. I was on a uh, the trolley headed to the airport and uh, and I found out about it and I called in, called you up and I think I dropped a name or two. I was like, we need to call them to, to be the next coach at LaGrange. And I remember, you know, you saying, well, what if I want it? Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's a different conversation. You know, what made you want to get back into it? That's a, that's a good question. I'm really not sure. Uh I kind of just felt like there was a – I was a little bit – you know, you kind of get bored a little bit. I like competition, number one. And in what I was doing, there wasn't that same level of kind of – I love, like, getting players and bringing them up, kind of raising them up. And in travel, I wasn't getting that. It's just a different kind of vibe. Yeah. You know, it's a money thing. It's not a – you know, it's not the same. So – you know, and I was around, and I kind of knew those kids a little bit, and I really felt bad just the situation, the way it happened, uh, and th- they were. And I like it when they're kind of not good, like that's kind of my thing. Is like if they're bad, I like to kind of yeah, go in you, there. You weren't coming back to it to a, a loaded team. No, I know, man. They they, they, won, they were like nine or ten and twenty something. Yeah. So I knew they weren't very good. And uh, so I thought that'll be that'll be a, a challenge, you know. So, you know, and at first, I, you know, I just kind of hit my, you know, David actually mentioned it to me, too. You know, hey, would you, 
you know, and and so it kind of crossed my mind. And then I, I, at first I talked to the, my wife. Yeah, I remember that phone call with me. You're like, I, I think I want to do that position, but I need to talk to Angie first. <laughs> well, the deal is she paid her dues. You know, I hadn't mentioned her in this whole deal. She's the MVP of the whole thing. Because the hours we used to work and the stuff we used to do, and it was year-round because we had summer baseball. It never ended. So she did all the sacrificing and uh, with the kids and all that. And I brought the kids with us as much as I could, and uh, they turned out well. But So I had first thing was talk to her, and, uh, and she was like, hey, you want to do it, do it. Uh, and I had to talk to my boss, Lester, who was the game travel baseball yeah. guy, and said, look, I'll still be able to do that, but can I do this? Are you okay? And he said he's good with it. And uh, so – and then Mr. White and Coach Pauly, uh, I said, I'm not calling them. You know what I mean? I'm not. So somebody told them, hey, you need to call him. Yeah. So they, they asked me to go to lunch one day and uh, and just asked me, hey, you have an answer? And they said, How, we don't want some one-year guy, two-year guy. And I said, I wouldn't do it like that. Like, that isn't what I am. I'm not that patchwork guy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I like to build, you know, with the staff, build a program where it's really good and sustainable. And then they, I, my question to them was, are you going to let me do it? Like I do it, like my, you know, somebody's mama calls and complains about me doing something. Are you gonna are you gonna make me talk to him? Are you gonna say, Coach does it like he does it? And uh, they said, Look, you can do it just like you've always done it. I just need to know because I do it different, and uh, I'm not gonna meet with parents about baseball play and time and all that yeah give us that i'm hate to interrupt but i i just i want this to be said kind of you know the parents that are at lagrange high school right now they get to experience your preseason speech every year and that was one of the things that i know that i was attracted to when i went to lagrange high uh because i knew that you were going to play the best you were going you, you it wasn't lagrange high school has never been from a parent standpoint um, you know, big booster club. I mean, we got a good booster club now, but before there wasn't a big booster club. Parents didn't have any influence, and it was because you run the show, you run the program, you coach the kids. You know, talk. Give us the quick elevator talk of what you give a parents a speech on every year to teach the kids. You know about when later in life going and asking for that raise, going and asking for it. What you're teaching them at 15, 14, 15, 16 years of age. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I had a kid transfer from Lafayette Christian the other day. And uh, it was this week. And he, when he showed up, you know, I said, hey, get your phone out. And, uh, and he said, yes, sir. And I said, put my number in it. And he did. And I said, from this day forward, I don't want to hear from anybody other than you. You know, I said, now it's me and you. I said, if it's an emergency, some family do. That's different. But just I don't I don't need if you're going to be late. I don't want to hear from Uncle Joe or Grandmama or whatever. Yeah. I said, you, you're speaking for yourself. You got an issue. You got a problem. So to me, that's a big deal. Yeah. I think it's a huge deal to get kids to learn to stand up for themselves. To speak up for themselves. Uh, if they got a problem, you come see me. And you're respectful. If you got a question, concern, 
just like in your job. Uh, you should do that. If you want to raise, you should do that. You don't call mommy, doesn't call your boss and, uh, and ask for a raise for you. You got to speak up. So that's a big part of what we do. So our kids, I never hear from a parent about like that kind of stuff. Now, where I do talk to parents a lot would be like injuries. Yeah. You know, like I'm communicating. I'm an over-communicator, and I tell our coaches, you should over-communicate. So, like, I'm going to talk to parents about big things. You got kids got in trouble at school. Kids got trouble. You know, there's an alcohol deal, you know, something big. Those things, you know, life things. But in the day-to-day operations, you know, I want them to have an open door to come see me, and they do. You know, people would be surprised. You know, this year we had a few. Some years you have a bunch. Some I've had them where they're right. That I said, you know, I think you're right. When they they quit, they 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 said John Kelton said, Coach, you got me bunting all the time, and I'm one of our best hitters. I've grown up now. I'm not a ninth grader anymore. And I said, you know, I think he's right. <laughs> he's like eleventh, but he was he's not a bottom of the order guy. Yeah. He said it respectfully, but I looked and I said, you know, I think you might be right. I probably do need to let you swing. You and Derek are like our best hitters now. Yeah. So, like, like I'm not defensive. And I try to tell our coaches because I got some young. Like, don't take, you know, like, don't take, like, an opinion defensive all the time. There, It can be respectful or a question. You know, I have confidence my wife says I have too much confidence, but so I don't worry about those those kind of things. But that's a big deal for us is that player and the parents like cut the cut the cord and like respect our staff as professionals. And and I honestly tell them, and I I, I don't think many coaches do this. I tell them I'm going to absolutely screw up some stuff. You're going to think I'm an idiot, and you might be right, but I'm still going to make every call. Yeah. Like, some coaches will defend themselves. I bunted because I did this. Yeah. No, I'll do some stuff, and I'll go, God, that was stupid. I, and hopefully I'll fix it. But I'm going to do it. Like, I do what I think needs to be done, and I don't worry about And the older I'm in doing it, it's even worse. Like, I'm really going to – I have no concern about – you know, like what somebody thinks about it. Uh, my staff, yes, uh, but I'm pretty long, long-headed and bull-headed. Your your brother knows there. He's kind of in the dugout. Uh, that you know, I just think you do a certain way, and the parents they kind of know. Like to me, I would respect somebody going. You know, he's going to do it. Like that might be crazy, but you know, yeah. He's telling us right up front how it is. Well, the good thing, what you've done since you've come back, what year was that, 19? Or, or 19. 19. You know, we're in 23 now. You've, you've, I want to say groomed, for maybe for lack of a better word, but you've trained parents every year since then. And now you've got a, a young group of kids. You know, you got a heavy junior class coming up. So the, the, all those – most of those kids were in your program as eighth graders. So they've had eighth grade, ninth grade, and then last year, this, so they're in year four of being in your program. You not only have a group of kids trained, but most importantly, you've got a group of parents trained. You know, what people don't realize a lot of times is uh, bad parents, 
can ruin a culture if it's allowed. You right. know, Johnny That's- gets in the car. He didn't play shortstop that day. You know, Daddy says. You know, you got a better batting average. You should be playing shortstop instead of saying, hey, we're going to support what the coach says. This is part of the process. Keep working. Make yourself stand out. But, you know, that's one thing that you've done so well at over the years. It's more than just having talent. It's more than just having chemistry. The chemistry off the field is important as well. Well, he talks about – go back into when you first came in uh, in 19. One thing you said you wanted to do was to have – a lot of coaches that knew the game of baseball to where you could coach the ninth and JV because beforehand you were like, we don't need just one guy practicing 20 guys on the ninth grade team. Like, you need a coaching staff. You know, I got a call, I think I was like 20th or maybe 30th down the list of, hey, can you help out community coach, right? And But now you've got a staff of, I know, eight. You might even have nine now to where you have four guys that are with a JV ninth grade and then you got four guys that are with the varsity, you know, because you instill a lot of leadership to making sure that whatever ninth grade, it's a program. You know, we've seen programs over the years where like ninth grade doesn't do what varsity does and they get to varsity and it's not a it's not a culture of a good program. But it's like you instills like, hey, when they come to the varsity field, they should know how to do this. They should know how to do it. What we always say is the Granger way, right? Like the standard. Yeah, we've we've. I've been blessed that we've built a good staff. That's the key. You know, I had a great staff when I left. And then I'm probably most proud of anything. I said this at the banquet. That's right. That, you know, first of all, it, it made me personally feel good. It's like, hey, I, I was here for both of them. You know, I got to kind of build it because you, you're like, hey, well, they won because of this coach or whatever. We started again. And we built from scratch. Uh, as confident as Drew Eady is as a coach, and he's really good, I remember like he didn't know how to do a scouting report. Yeah, You know what I mean? He didn't know how to do those things. Now he puts together like a puzzle that's beautiful. Like knowing you see how these right, guys but, – but, but you go back. You, you said the same thing. You were underqualified. And within a year – your leadership taught you how to work. They taught you how to break down film. You know, that's what you've done with Adriti. That's what you've done with these young guys. And and that's that's leadership is everything. Companies either rise or fall with leadership. Teams either win or lose with or without leadership. You know, and 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 that's that's the most important thing to me is the proper leadership because you've got a program, like you said. You know, you'll, you'll, there's teams. You know. There's there's NFL teams, there's pro baseball teams that have that one anomaly year. Everything's good, it goes well, and then the next year they just fall off the face of the earth. With what you build, you're going to have a shot every year, like I said, to make a playoff. Like you said, on a mediocre year, to to make the playoffs. But it's it's leadership, you know, and that's the key. Is is you're not only training parents, you're training coaches, you're training kids. You know, I I, I talk about you all the time on some of our business calls, you know, that, you know, I've learned more from you since I've not been played for you than I did when I played for you, you know, because, you know, you're 8, 16, 17 years old. You don't know what you don't know. And I look back at some of the things that was instilled in me, you know, from a discipline standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint. You know, heck, I remember, you know, grounding out one time and and uh, having my helmet and and my glove and hat was on the the fence line and I kind of tossed my helmet. 
And I didn't throw it down by no means. I mean, see you kids now, they throw, they throw crap everywhere. I tossed it. I'd go out to third base and you call me back over there. And he said, go pick up the helmet and lay it back down. So I had to pick up the helmet and I laid it back down. But the point of that is I never come close to showing emotion like that again. You know? Right. But it, what it did was it wasn't about the helmet being thrown. Yeah. It was – Hey, you need to flush. You can't get frustrated. You need to flush and control what you can control. And you know, coach, we we come off of, you know, losing in the state title last year. I remember being on the bus ride last year and you're like, here's what we got to do. Like you're already planning for next year. It happened this year. We get beat again in the state uh finals. We go back to back and on the bus ride back like you're mapping out. Here's what our workouts are going to look like. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this and that and like talk about how being prepared to where you're when you get to a big moment, it's like you're already prepared for it. Like you don't have to prepare in that moment. You're already prepared for that big moment. Yeah. It's almost a curse there, some of it. <laughs> like to to just get beat and then kinda already be wheeled to something else. But cause you can't like let it go, relax kind of deal, you know? Yeah, uh but but yeah, I'm just a, I'm a uh over preparer, you know. I was in football as well. You know, like I've got on my phone, I've got like stuff that's like crazy. It might be three in the morning. I got an idea, something, you know, some idea about I'm going to do with pictures or whatever. So I am, I, I think preparation, when kids work really hard, when somebody works really hard at whatever they do, like, and then it's really, if you can sell them, like you're, you're like, you're doing stuff others won't do. Like, you get them bought in. Our guys really believe it. They believe, look, they're not coming up here, and it's really true. Most don't do what we do. If you get them buying into it and and really, really believing it, then there's a level of confidence that comes from that, and that's in anything. Yeah. Like, when you know you have – so if you've outworked them and then, like, preparing, like, thinking about the little dirty details, like, in baseball to me is like and i'll tell our players if they're throwing 90 and we're throwing 80 and that they're they're throwing strikes and we're throwing strikes like how or we're going to do the dirty details to win that game like we have to equalize it by like if the ball goes through the infield we have to dive for it they're not going to if it comes inside we're not moving out of the way. It's going to hit us. Like we've got to do little bitty things that they don't do uh, in order to have a chance. So we got to we got to play a little harder. We got to play a little smarter. That ball bounces off that catcher. We got to take that base. You know, we we can't miss cutoff men. Let them make those mistakes. And then you guys were on teams, and we do. We yep. beat teams like that a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, to me, those little details, I'm all about the little details of I'm that way with our pitchers, and I'm, all, I'm really about empowering the players a lot more than I used to be. I would say as you get older, you, you know, when you're younger, Coach, you probably aren't as much. I think as you get older, you start figuring out, like, hey, you know, it really is their team. Like, they're going to leave and you're still going to be here. Like, this is their team right now. Mm-hmm. And you kind of convince them of it and get them bought in it. And then it's like they're your coaches. And then you get them going, hey, why didn't you dive? 
instead of you saying, why didn't you dive? You know, I used to have to say, why did you dive? Yeah. Now they say it. Yeah. And when you don't, when you hit a pop-up and you don't run, and they go, hey, get your butt down the line. We run. Yeah. You know, that's when you get good. That's what you've always said is a player-led team is like if, let's say, running the weights like you are this summer, if you leave the weight room and you come back in, and it's they, just running. they should still rotate. Like, they should still get their reps in instead of waiting on you to say, hey, move. Because now it's like you're instilling leadership and ownership into the players to where now, to your point, they believe that, hey, this is our team. We're taking ownership of what we're doing. Right, and any they won't let anybody screw it up. Like, you don't let anybody in that group screw that team up. Like, that's when you got, like, a real strong core of leadership. You're not going to let these guys, you know, like some guy who doesn't buy in, like, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna make him stick out like a sore thumb because they're going to challenge yeah. him. Yeah. And that, that was the beauty of this year's team. Uh, you know, I mean, those seniors this year were incredible. Oh, yeah. They were. Uh, I mean, they, first of all, they had incredible parents. Yeah. I mean, we graduated five players and – a bunch of parents that yeah. were unbelievably who were servers. What can we do for you people? So I mean, it hurts to lose the parents, much less the players, much less the the talent, just the leadership. You know, Trevor Booten is good a leader as I've ever been around. He was like a coach because he didn't care if he hurt somebody's feelings. You know, when you say what's right, do what's right. Ultimately, the people respect it, but if you're scared to, you know, I'm gonna hurt his feelings or whatever. Then, but he well, he has no fear of that. So he was that way, but he really didn't have to. Once they got going, it was just they were like a machine. And so far, it's kind of rubbed off. This summer, it's like they're kind of just rolling on. Kind of, kind of talk about that because you know I was watching a game this year and. When I say we, the Grangers end up sweeping this team. And I was talking to a parent, and um, we, I was just, you know, talking about how all the off-season work that LaGrange High does, you know, uh, you know, from the summer and in the fall. And he just kind of looked at me like cross-eyed, like I was crazy. And he said, "This team," he said, "they practice in January when you know the middle of January, and this once the season's over, it's all up to your." personal trainers or your travel ball coach for you to work. And he said he said most of our guys play in the fall. He said, we don't do anything in the off season. What does LaGrange High do in the summer? What does LaGrange High baseball do in the fall? Yeah. Uh, I really think that's been the key to the whole thing. Because I tell people that I, I don't want to it's hard to say a percentage, but like I know pitching wise, seventy five percent of what we do is going to be built from from August, really from now, like I worked with some pitchers yesterday, from now till January. And then it's just kind of piece it together once the practice starts. But we start, we live four days a week right now in the summer, starting as soon as school's out. We lift, and a lift for us is an hour and a half, and it's hard. We lift, and then we do plyometrics. We they're jumping, they're bouncing, they're running. We got these new ropes. We're doing this stuff. It's hard, and they like it. Like we we're averaging about thirty kids a day. Wow! Look, ten of them are in football. Yeah, it's almost every kid is there. The only ones that aren't there are because they're playing that day. Everybody's coming 
every day unless their team is playing. It's been incredible uh, all the way down to eighth grade. So I love it. Like our last year's eighth graders look like different kids yeah. in one year. Like you look at your Jays Fosters and Matthew Skinners, you watch them do the drills and it's like in one year, it's like your son in a year when you're going to say, man, I can't believe how much better they got. But anyway, we do that four days a week. Tyler Eady kind of heads that up. You know, we go over a good plan and uh, our coaches are there and it's an hour and a half a day and it's hard. It's a lot more fun not to go. Yeah. It's a lot more fun to go swimming. Yeah. It's a lot more fun to go to your girlfriend's house, all those things. But they go. A lot of times they go and then they have practice, you know, with their travel stuff or yeah. they're playing. If they get home at 2 a.m. from their travel on Sunday night, they come Monday still. Like we've built that. It wasn't that way in 2019. Now it is. Uh once we start fall, we let them get a week or two of school going, get it acclimated, and then we start 6 a.m. Uh, four-on-ones. You can work four four players and one coach. Okay. That's according to Georgia High School. So each coach kind of has a specialty, you know, an infield coach, an outfield coach. Like I coach all the uh, varsity pitchers and some other young ones. And we do 30-minute increments. So, like, your son may have catching from 6 to 6.30 Monday, Wednesday, and then at 6.30 he may have hitting from 6.30 to 7. And then he might have infield on Tuesday, Thursday, and you know, his time. Like, if he plays football, it's going to all be in the morning. Yeah. If he doesn't play football, he may have morning and afternoon. It's It, it seems like a lot. It's not a that they do a lot, but it's not like where you hate it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a small, like you're getting a couple hours of baseball. Plus, they're lifting during the school day. They're getting a great lift, an hour and a half block schedule. They got that going on. Plus, they got and a good protein shake at the end of that. We <laughs> we always do that, but they but they have a, uh, but but it's not as much as it seems. It's harder on the coaches than it is the players. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, like Drew Eady's coaching football. So he gets there at 530, and he's doing that, and then he's teaching school, and then he's got football. Uh, for me, I'll do pitching in the morning, and I'll do some pitching in the afternoon. And then we'll do that for like six weeks. And then in six weeks, we'll start long toss. A long toss program is like programmed out exactly what to do. It's at their pace, but this is how you do it. And we do a band program. We're going to add some stuff to it as well this year. I always like to add smart players like to be challenged. They yes. like new. Yeah. So like I like always talking to people, finding better ways. And like I said, I sent some pictures, one of my pictures, like we were texting last night and I was sending him, some video YouTube videos of some things that I thought would be good for him, you know, and he told me this morning, hey, coach, I did it. You know, so, like, I, I try to be on the cutting edge of, like, anything new or it helps this kid. It was actually Caden Wood. We're trying to work on some things. But but anyway, so we do that, long toss. We'll still be doing the four-on-ones, and we do that, and then we Coach Edie gets done with football. At some point, hopefully it's way late. Late November, yeah. Because we want the Grangers to keep winning. That's right. 
But when he gets done, that changes us a little bit because then we have him in the afternoons and we, we, we start hitting on the field and we start doing some different things. We start bullpens, like I'll do bullpens Saturday mornings. Uh, like our guys are, are full. And look, you'd be shocked. They come up and say, Coach, like they're on me to start. You know, that's what I tell my wife. She goes, I'm kind of surprised you're, you know, she always like wonders what I'm doing. I'm like, look, these guys are like are on me. Yeah. You know, like, hey, coach, when can we do this? So, you know, we do a lot from from August to January. I'll know if we're going to be any good or not. If, I, if I'm the motivator right there then we're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, we are absolutely – I'll know in my gut uh, right there. I knew last year these guys are killing it. They're they're absolutely killing it. So I, I knew that, hey, that part's ready to go. These guys are bought in. And these guys are killing it. They're out doing last year's group in the weight room. So they're killing it. Uh, it's, you know, it's fun when coaching is what you do. Like, get him to get better at yeah. playing baseball. The other stuff is in place. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of where we're at right now. I know there'll be, like, some ugly days, like, where I oh, get yeah. mad and oh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, you talk about getting mad. Uh, I'll never forget. There's a few times in some game situation, you know, I'm sitting beside you, and, you know, you hear these parents just all over the umpire calling this and that, and, like, you're like – I can't control it. I mean, what's the point of me getting upset about it? You know, I think that runs parallel a lot in life because so many people focus on the wrong things. Like you're like every time a kid comes off and he's upset that an umpire hosed him, you know, or he felt like he should have done something different or whatever, you're like getting upset about it's not going to change the call. And that helps me a lot in my business is like I can control what I can control. Like you can control getting prepared so when January comes – your inner squad in that first week where most coaches are trying to get their kids' arms in shape, right? Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's, that's a, I think that's one of the biggest things that's different than other places. Like I'm, I'm really about, and I try to pound into our players. These players and parents, they don't mean to, but they're looking for an excuse. I mean, you're looking, why did I fail? It can't be because of me. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a natural reaction. I mean, it cannot be about their little boy screwed it up. Yeah. It can't be. It's got to be the umpire. Something <laughs> happened. So, like, I we knocked that out quick. And that's like, we'll enter squad, and they'll get hosed, and I'll and I'll, I'll yell at them, you know? And I'll say, hey, do you – our catchers will call balls and strikes in the inner squad game, and they will hose them because they're, they're catchers. Yeah. And I'll go, do you think that will happen during the year? Will you get hosed on a call? Hey, you rubbed off on me. I, uh, one of my son's uh, friends was at the house last night, and he's playing Dixie Youth 10-year-old baseball. And um, I was asking him, I said, when, when do y'all play? And uh, he said, Friday. I said, who you playing? I said, he said, Perry. I said, they're probably going to be one of you, know, because at, at that 8, 9, 10, Perry's always yeah, good. Yeah, they're pretty good. At that age group. And um, I said, you think y'all going to beat them? He said, I think so. He said, we should have beat them last year. I said, what you mean? He said, "Well, we had a rain delay, and then and then they beat us." I said, "So they didn't I, I, have a rain." I, I, this is exactly what I said. I said, <laughs> "I love it." See, I said, see I, that I, comment I, by I him real quick. I said, "Did Perry have a rain delay too?" And he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, "I said, 
so y'all had a rain delay. That was why you lost? He said, yeah, we lost our energy. I said, did they have a rain delay too? He just kind of looked at me and smiled. Then he realized what I was telling him. Yeah. But it's like, you know, no excuses. Yeah, I'm, that's a thing. I'm, I'm, it's a real thing. Umpires. Now, I'll get on umpires, as Jonathan knows. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll take them right to the brink. But I want our <laughs> players to not see me give them excuses. Yeah. If they're not playing well, I will not go argue with umpire. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go out and fight for a guy that's not playing the right way. That's the first thing. So if I go out there, I do think we're competing. But, like, I don't want a bunch of excuses. Like, if the umpire calls a first pitch strike and it's a ball, a foot outside, you still have two strikes. Yeah. Like, okay, you know. So, and then if you get out, I mean, most time you have another at bat. Like, you can you can figure it out. Like, there's there should be no – no reason, you know, to to baseball's a failure game anyway. Yes. So, I mean, it is a it's a great life lesson game because you you're gonna flop a lot. So, it's hard to play. You fail a lot, and I just don't want our players thinking that way. And it, initially, that's what they want to do. And and parents, that's what you want to do. My wife wants to make an excuse for my son when he played. I mean, she did. But, you know, I wanted him to think, you know, I stunk. I didn't yeah. get it done. That's what I wanted him. That's what moms sometimes do. But, you know, somebody's got to put them in the reality. I always tell them, look, we're going to tell you the truth. And sometimes if that hurts your feelings, then that's just the way it is. But we're going to tell you the truth. And and the truth is, you know, like if it's great, it's great. If it's bad, it's bad. And you, you can deal with it. And, and players tend to appreciate it. Yeah. Owning your situation, you know, uh, Navy, Navy SEAL book, you know, it, it's about taking ownership. And it says extreme ownership, fully taking ownership of your situation. What Nick said about extreme ownership, that's, I like that from one of the best, arguably the best leadership book there is. But you talk about the kids really, you know, taking ownership of themselves, but also controlling what they can control, but also their body language. Like you always instill with the pitchers because that's what you mainly coach. Obviously, you coach the whole team, but like pitchers, if they perform well, like you're all about the pitchers. But you talk about when I look out there on the mound, I shouldn't be able to tell if we're up 20 or we're even down 20. And like some guys will kind of get in their feelings sometimes, and you have to bring them back to like, hey, you got to control yourself, right? Uh, absolutely. And I, I think in, you know, in, in life or baseball or whatever, how you carry yourself is going to, you know, have a lot to do with how successful you're going to be. And, and in baseball, to me, it's you, you play with emotion, but not emotional. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing. Like, I want our pitcher to have passion, but passion doesn't mean pout. You know, passion is po- positive uh, kind of energy. And it's really not just pitchers. I mean, yeah. it, I, I, it, I don't scream at a bunch of players every day. But if they throw a ball away and their shoulders drop and droop, that kind of deal, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna yell at them. Uh, if somebody doesn't beat me to it, I'm gonna usually it's me first on that. But you know, I just believe that that's just a, a sign of weakness, especially to your opponent. Like like I'm not good enough. Instead of like standing there and take it and compete and fix it and and that way, just like you say in in real life, that's what you do. Something doesn't go your way. You don't have time to sit there and pout around. You got to, you know, suck it up, kind of get it done. And that comes from 
my raising. That's a direct result because that was not allowed in my house. Uh, so I try not to allow it on our teams. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen because they're human beings. And the younger they are, man, you go to a ninth grade game, yeah. uh, it's like they're learning. You can just see learning taking place. Yeah. Because what they did is, first of all, they have the – think about it. Y'all are successful travel coaches. You got 10, 11 on the team. Everybody bats. <laughs> now you got – everybody gets to hit. Now you got – let's say you got 15. So I got – and we're hitting 10 maybe. So there's five not in. They've always been in. They're not in. That's a great time to pout. Yeah. I mean, that, that kid's already – he's got some adversity he hadn't had. So he's got to learn to fight through that. And then, you know, because of competition starts getting better, you fail more. So it's another time that, boy, you could pout, bad body language, you know, and act like you don't care. You know, that's a biggie is, you, you know, you don't want to act like you care, you know. Uh, and, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, lay it out there, man. Show you care, you know. Don't be scared to act like you, you care. Uh, but anyway, so you have those challenges, you know, with kids. And that's just, man, you know, it's the nine-year-old in Walmart. He doesn't get his toy. Yeah. You know, you get that deal. You know, I tell our players that. I'll say, you look like the nine-year-old in Walmart. Mommy didn't buy your little hot wheel you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so you look like a fool over there yeah. doing what you're doing, you know? So how is that productive? You know, so I think the main thing to do is you don't necessarily fix everything, but you, you know, the old saying, uh, you're either uh, coaching it or allowing it to happen. I don't want them to think I'm allowing it to happen. Yeah. I want them to know, you know, if you hit a ball and you, you let loose with a MF on the way to first, if I don't say something, I'm allowing it to happen. He's a young kid, and that might be what he does, and it's wrong. Yeah. But if we don't address it, we're allowing it to happen. We're going to try to fix it, whatever method's necessary. Uh, so that's kind of the way, you know, we do it. Everything is kind of important. To me, and if you handle Gary Guthrie, I always used to say, if you take care of the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. And there's a, a lot of truth to that. So that's kind of the way we do it. You know, everybody worries about hitting, pitching, throwing. And sometimes when you deal with, like, the people part, they play for each other. They play the right way. They play with great effort and passion. And then you start working on your – if you've got that mindset, you're going to get – the baseball part just yeah. kind of gets comes through, and that's kind of the way I think that we've had success. Well, what? you know, let me ask you this real quick. So, you know, as day and age has changed, you know, you talk about pay, playing with passion and, you know, and stuff like that and things allow. I remember, I think it was last year, you know, the day and age we live in where, like, players just like to run their mouth to the other players. Like, they like to jaw back and forth. And that's one thing you don't allow because I'll never forget a post-game speech. You're like, look, all that mouth running, did it help them put runs on the scoreboard? And it's like, because they got so focused on running their mouth, they actually forgot the baseball game was going on, yeah. you know? Well, kids are usually – they really can't do two things at once. Like, I, I think our guys, they need to focus on what, what we need to do. To Is what you're doing helping us – get the job done, whatever our task is at that moment. And running your mouth really probably didn't help us. Now, look, when I played, that's how we played. It was a different game. Like, 
I was as good as there was, like running, being, getting on the other team. Like I was about it. So because that's well, kind that's of my funny thing. Because that's the complete opposite of what I would have thought. I oh my never. god, I was I was bad. I was I was a I'm in the bullpen at North Alabama. I'm you know hey. I'm, if I think I'm not getting in that day, I mean, I'm going to tear up that left fielder, out, right fielder out there. I have him ready to jump over the fence, you know, but that's the way we did. And they did it to you. It was, it was nasty. You know, I mean, if you slid too hard, it'd be almost, a, you know, it was just a different mindset. But what happens is, and nowadays, like kids can't handle like that. Like if they start jawing, then it can get out of hand. They can't focus on so we try to break it down. So I don't want to think, hey, this guy's a bad guy because he's run his mouth. Like I say, I, I did it big time. So, but it was part of it, you know. But but our guys, you know, I think you ought to focus on what we do. If you focus on and like, and I don't mind like a little flair with it, as long as it's about us. Yeah. Like so, if I get a big hit and I turn back and I look back towards our bench. And I do it. It's like when you do stuff at the other team, I have a problem. I don't want them doing it, and I don't want our guys to do it. So, like, because then it becomes a show. You're not barely about the team. You're about, like, you. So, like, if I love celebrating together. Like, in football, you get a big hit. Instead of standing over him and, you know, all that, like, all the guys come in and they rally each other. Like, we were about that. Now, hey, sometimes did they do the other? Absolutely. But, again, it was it was coached. Like, we, we, we handled it, you know. So, you know, that's a big part of, uh, you know. And, and a lot of people now, I, I see a lot of teams, they're not under control. And it helps us. Yeah. Like, they are not – like, they are they – are, they don't have the discipline. I mean, we win some games because our guys – kind of stay the course the last two years especially adversity we just kind of keep plugging uh and and our kids are really mentally tough and that, that's a big thing to us is mental toughness yeah. and uh so that's part of mental toughness you had a really good mentally mentally tough team this year you know and last year and and was this the first year that you didn't have to go old school when it come come to a practice where all you did was run, you know, and, and for the people that don't understand what I'm I'm saying, <laughs> you know, I had it done to me several. If you times. played for Coach if Ranch, you know exactly you know, what we're talking I mean, about. You know, I'll never forget a spring break. You know, we were like one, two, three in the state all year. We had no clue we were one, two, and three in the state. There was no social media, but we were top team in the state all year. And you know, we had it had a Monday, Wednesday, <laughs> Friday schedule during spring break. You know, all our friends are at the beach spring break and. You know, we're, we're playing baseball. We're playing Carver. You know, Carver's unbelievable football talent, really good in basketball down in uh, South Columbus, just not very good in baseball. And um, it's one of them deals where you run rule them after the, you know, second or third inning. But we didn't run rule them until like the fifth. Uh, Darnell Stinson, uh, who was a, you know, second-round draft pick, struck out three times this game. We won 17-2. to two. Okay, we won 17-2, but we – practice for an hour after the game and ran for an hour after the game and um you know we just we weren't mentally there you know our energy wasn't there i mean you're you know middle of the week spring break you're 16 17 years old but it was a wake-up call to us i think we won 
16, 17 games in a row after that. So that's that's the old school I'm talking about. This was the first team in a while that you've had that you didn't have to do that to this year. No, I don't think we ever – now, there was some times, and I don't <laughs> know if you were out there at the time, but there was a few days that, you know, I stopped and – Oh, yeah. We did a little – we did a little – but it wasn't like to the extreme. Yeah. Uh, but it was enough to get their attention. It was and, enough to them to know, hey – don't I, mess I, don't with that. test me. <laughs> yeah, it was that, and and the year before, same thing. Uh, I got that, and then two years before, we, we got them. It was over the tarp. That's right. They didn't. They were they were messing around trying to put the tarp on, and I wasn't there. I was at, at a doctor's appointment, and I got a report. So they ended up. It was bad for them that day. Yeah. But but yeah, that group was really they. You know, I could kind of say to Trevor, "Hey, look." You need to make sure, and and he would kind of go through the ranks. It's the same way in football. When I had Wesley Woodyard, maybe I'm going to belly flop the group a while. I'd give Wesley that warning shot. Look, you might want to get the guys going, or I'm going to get them going. So, you know, having that leadership gives you that buffer uh, that, uh, you know, and then as you, you also you figure out, hey, is it productive or not? A lot of times it was productive. That's what you guys needed yeah. at the time. Yeah, it was a different time, different kids. Uh, this particular group was way more motivated than most high school players and teams. So it, it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad. I, th- you know, we, we had a couple days I didn't think were great. Most days were really good. I'm looking forward to this year to see can they grind it out day after day with a new group of guys. You know, because we're missing some key guys. So, uh, and, you know, whether we got to do it or they're going to figure it out. And uh, hopefully they'll figure it out. I tell you, we could we could do story after story after story, and we could talk about all the little nuances. I, I'm just thankful that I get a front row seat to watch, you know, the discipline and the hard work that you instill because it correlates and runs parallel in our business. Like the little activity – handling the little details, controlling what you can control and, you know, play with emotions, but don't get emotional about it. And so that runs so, I mean, it runs so parallel in our business and what we do. And, you know, from when I was a kid watching Nick play at the ball field to now, you know, hopefully my son's coming up through the ranks now, he's getting to play for you now. So we appreciate you taking the time to, you know, sit down with us, coach. Well, it's it's been my pleasure. You guys are like I say, you're, you're former players, but your friends and colleagues and big-time Granger supporters, which uh, we really appreciate it. And let me say, too, that going out that, you know, we talked about parents and we told one side of it. We needed to, The other side of it is our parents are like their machine booster club. Like, like if anybody's got a better booster club, I'd like to see it. They might raise more money. Now, we raise a lot, but they absolutely, they have a what can we do? What do we need? What do you need, Coach? You know, it's not like, well, we can't, you know. It's like we're going to make it happen. Hey, I want to buy this. All right, we'll get it done. And, man, it's, it is not like that. I mean, it, there's, there was some time when it wasn't like that at LaGrange High. Not maybe when I was there. But when I wasn't there, that that it kind of turned different. These, it's incredible uh, the the support that we have, and then you throw in, you know, Alton White, 
and Mike Pauley, you know, Alton has moved on, but, you know, he trusted me to hire me. And then you got Jamie Bozeman at the top. Like, LaGrange High is different. Yeah. You know it's different. Absolutely. And I don't mean that bad about anybody else's school. No. But it is different. Yeah. And uh, and when I say different, I mean, like, good yeah. different. And, and it's different because of the people. The people are different. Uh, and uh, it may be – some people may say it's cocky confidence. I, I don't really mean it that way, but, you know, we do. There's a, there's a confidence that we're, an expectation at LaGrange High. And, uh, and it's because of, it's been passed down. And, uh, but but our, our parents, our coaches, everybody's kind of bought into it, which makes it special. All the way down to football, all the sports, everybody's the same. They're bought into that. It's different here. We got higher expectations, and that's just the way we do it. Yeah, the standard is the standard. Yep, it's gonna be that way for a while too. I mean, I don't, I don't see it slowing down in any way. You know. Well, there's no doubt. And one thing I'd like to say too is, when we were really good in baseball and football, when you were in school in basketball, we yeah. were good. Yeah. And there was a tight relationship among the staff. Again, which is highly unusual. It's not the norm for football, basketball, baseball, tennis, whatever, to actually all like each other and not be jealous of each other yeah. and share athletes together. But we were like that. And now we got Matt Napier. And Matt Napier is that guy too. He's like Steve Pardue. He's like, how, how can we work together? We share. I got 10, 12 guys that play baseball that play football. Yeah. So we share them. We share them all year. Right now he's kind of got priority. Then in spring, I get priority, yeah. but we share them, we talk about them, we work, you know, we work it out. And again, that's what's different. You know, a lot of people talk about it, but it really is different. You know, it's like Matt. You know, he's going to take care of our guys. I mean, he cares how they do. He wants to win the baseball team to win. He hurts when they lose. Yeah. I'm the same way in football. I want them to win so bad. And uh, and that's what like I say it's uh unless you've kind of been in it, you know I look at like a Jamie Smith who came back and he's here, and like he looks like man, it's just different, you know, and uh, and it's because of of the people we got. There was a couple years there where it kind of slid off, oh, yeah, no doubt, slid off the rails a yeah. little bit. Not anybody's fault. It just happened. Yeah, and then it got going back in the right direction and. Uh, and I think we're kind of – we're pretty good in everything. Yeah. I think all all spring sports were at least second or third round, you know, in the state playoffs. You had boys and girls soccer. You had girls and boys tennis. And obviously what, you know, you guys did in, in baseball playing for a state title. Golf. Golf. Yeah, golf you know? was in the state tournament. Yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of good in everything. And that's that's what it's supposed to be about. It was like I had 13 out of 18 baseball players, varsity were scholar athletes, three, five or better. Wow. Three, five or better, 13 out of 18. That's pretty good. Yeah. Those are high character kids. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's like, these are high achievers, period. Baseball or not baseball. Trevor Booten doesn't need baseball. He plays that for the love of the game. He doesn't need it. He's going to make money, be a boss, run the show somewhere. Yeah. Whether he does it, same with Trey Cook, Seth Starger, all those kids. So thirteen out of eighteen—that's pretty big. 
So I was I'm really proud of, of those guys for that. And it wasn't like the other guys weren't good. But 3-5 is hard. Those guys take hard classes. Yeah. So we're really proud of the student-athlete part of it. I tell you, this has been a lot of fun. So hopefully, Coach, we'll get you back here uh, maybe this time next year. We can talk about uh, even greater things. We improved every year you've been back. We've gotten better, better, better. And we were better this year, last year. So hopefully, you know, put ourselves in a position to be better than what we were last year. Well, that that would be nice because there's only one That's right. one thing better than that. <laughs> I'll I'll think about that a little bit till we actually start, and then I'll just think about the old get better today. The know, next game routine, the and I just game. want to do a better job in the podcast than Steve Pardue did. That was my goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, appreciate it.